Alright? So one common thing about Texas is that we all have guns. And I had my gun on me. Uh, Glock, Glock uh, pistol, pretty common. And uh, so as the police came up behind me, they did not announce themselves. They came in in the dark. When I seen them out the corner of my eyes, they had on dark clothing. So as far as I'm concerned, when my face is in the, in the ATM machine, you know, these could be robbers. So what happens to Attorney Dennis Sperling if I do what you would do when you think people are robbing? I'm shot down in the street. And so my message is to all you professionals here, especially you black American men and women who think that just because you've attained some PhD or JD or whatever you got, you are still subject to the same thing that the other black people that you may think that you're better than is subject to. So I hope this is a wake-up call for you all. If it can happen to me, a very successful, very well-known attorney in front of his law office, it can happen to you. So let's not pretend like this is not a problem. Because a lot of people, they'll say, oh, well, you know, it just happened because you weren't doing something right. Or you shouldn't have resisted your will. I literally could have had a hole in the back of my head. You understand? So this is how serious this issue is to me. So I want you to keep that in mind as we continue forward. This is as real as, as real can be. Because our main issue here in the United States is that, um, you know, we are still the same people that they thought we were when they brought us over here. So keep that in mind. Questions, because they have, if they have all the answers, they're not going to ask you questions. Most folks incriminate themselves. So just shut up, lawyer. I want to talk to my lawyer. I want to talk to my lawyer. Well, you know, we got a sandwich over here and a bottle of Sprite <laughs> if you want it. I want to talk to my lawyer. That's the best thing you can do. And then you call somebody like Brother DeMarcus over here, and then he'll handle it from there. Okay? But you just, that's the first thing you should understand. Don't try to litigate your rights on the side of the road. And I think that's pretty common sense uh, sort of answer right here. Yeah. The biggest thing that I hear, no, sorry. Oh, go ahead. you back off that. Uh, it's really hard to fight what I call the police lie, which is I was in fear for my life. Uh, that, that's a hard one to fight because even even in places where the judges look like you, uh, there's a uh, they give officers what you call a subjective standard. So even if the ordinary reasonable person wouldn't think, hey, you know, Demarcus wanted to call his sister so she could hear what's going on like that it's not threatening but you know I've, I've seen many occasions I saw one two weeks ago in Dallas County Court where I had a client who was stopped for they say he was speeding that's a whole nother issue but then he gets stopped and he tries to call his girlfriend to put her on the phone and this is a black troop black state trooper who got real aggressive with him real fast and in court, what did he say? Well, I was, I was in fear of my life. It was for everybody's safety that I didn't want him to make that phone call. And I say that to say, like, that is a really, really, really hard lie to overcome. So just be careful. And I'm, I'm wondering why that's a hard lie to overcome just because, like, it can be, it's so readily available for them to use. So what can we do to protect ourselves because, like you said, when the cameras go up and the phone calls start happening, they get even more aggressive. So how do you then protect yourself in those moments? 
Well, as Mr. Sperling said, first of all, you want to survive because you can't tell your story if you're dead. Mm -hmm. That's first and foremost. Um, if you don't have any sort of dash camera in your car, get it. Uh, I drive a Tesla, and it comes with cameras, and I still put more cameras in it. Uh, I have a body camera on me many, on many occasions, and it, might, and it might sound like overkill, but uh, it's one of those things that can save you. It was recently a lawyer uh, who lives just north of Dallas who was driving in his Corvette on a Sunday, just as he likes to do. Uh, he's been practicing for over 30 years, and the police got behind him and tried to say, and arrested him, tried to say he was evading arrest. If it wasn't for the cameras that he put in his own car, um, probably be facing trial right now in a county that's not Dallas County, so it wouldn't be wow. as friendly. Wow. And most people, I mean, even even many of our own, just <coughs> want to leave the police. Yep. They do. Uh, and so you don't want to be in a situation where, you know, you've got 12 people decide whether or not you can lease an apartment somewhere a year later because you're a convicted felon. Yeah. You know, from then on, and even when you're dead, you're still a convicted felon. Excuse me, son's closure is politicians are like strippers. <laughs> if you give them five hundred dollars, man, they out of everything. You get everything. You understand? I'm just telling you, it costs thirty-five thousand dollars in Harris County in Houston, Texas, to fund a judge's campaign. Thirty-five thousand. That's a that's like a cheap that baby fan or something like that. That you see what I'm saying? Now imagine if we got together, just listen, let hear me out. If you want them to hear you, pay them. You understand? You want to be able to walk in your congressman's office, you and five other people get $500 together. They hear everything you have to say. They like strippers, I'm trying to tell you. I know you like Mr. Sperling, that's inappropriate. But no, what I'm, what I'm, it's their job to write those laws. I don't know how to draft a bill. But I know the legislator does. And if you get together with the group of folks in here and you take it upon yourself and you save yourself, black man, then guess what's going to happen? You ain't got to worry about Mrs. Because Mrs. Brown going to hop on the plane and be gone in, in, in about an hour. But you're going to be here. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's do this. Let's stop as a, as a group of people. And I want to see you with my normal, natural eyes. <laughs> as a group of people, let's stop waiting for the white man to save us. Let's stop yep. waiting for the for Jesus. Jesus is not coming back anytime soon. You have to save yourself. You have to be proactive with yourself. You got to get that boot out and start putting it off in people's backsides. Use your money. Use your talents. All these this brilliance here. And I want to give a big shout out to Tariq Nasheed because let me yes, tell sir. you, yes, sir. I, I like that young man. You understand? He looked. He put this together. This is what I'm talking about. You see what I'm saying? And if he can do that, use that example. Don't wait for me. My back hurt, my knees hurt, I'm getting old. I ain't, I ain't doing it. But you look at you standing up straight, man, you're strong. You can do it. And that goes for each and every one in this room. Save yourself, black man, and save your family. That's what I'm saying. Okay? Yes, God bless you, brother. Yes, Thank sir. you so much. And the fact of the matter is, 90% of school teachers are white women. Okay? And we like to believe that people are going to do their jobs professionally, not going to bring in their political views 
or their more racial views, but we know that is not the case. I'm not saying that most of these white female teachers are racist, but we know a lot of them are. And if we think that's not impacting the way they interact with black students, we're fooling ourselves. But then we got black teachers who have inherited bias against black students. Um, I have seen white students misbehave, and they get to spend the day with the principal getting snacks and being his little buddy. A black student may just giggle in class or get out there and see without permission, and the black teacher, you see, that's the problem with our people now. You see, we don't know how to listen. I've seen that happen too many times. So the systemic issues that affect our children in school are the same issues that affect them outside of school. But in the case of academia, we as black people need to do what these white parents did when schools reintegrated. They took their kids out and started the little private schools. We have a right to be educated by the public school system because it owes us, but I am pushing for us to take our kids out and educate our kids ourselves. We <laughs> want to get black men out of the home, so they said to the black woman, like, hey, if uh, you're married, your income is going to exceed what we need as a qualifier for you to get these homes we're going to give you and these food stamps we're going to give you. They weren't giving black women what they were putting them in the slums. Unlike government assistance for white people, which gave them uh, 300 million acres, gave them a free college education and pension. Government assistance for black people was really about just making sure that the families were dismantled and keeping black people in poverty, but if you work any harder or if you get any more wealth, they disqualify you. So you don't make enough to do well on your own, but they want to keep you in a position where you'll never be able to succeed. That's exactly how these special education programs are used against black students in schools. They'll say, okay, when I was in kindergarten, they told my mother they wanted to put me in a special uh, ed service. And I said, why? And they said, there, because he did, I did too well on the test. They said his score was far too high on the test, but in this test, it was really low. So that's showing an imbalance. My mother said, so let me get this straight. You're saying that he knew all his numbers from 1 to 100, he knew all his colors, he knew how to write and complete sentences, he knew the difference between a hop, a skip, and a jump, but because he failed this test, which required him to do like some type of pre-algebraic um, uh, performance, which I, was, I didn't even have to take that test, my mother said, no, absolutely not. I have seen a lot of black kids who will put these special education programs or a school wanted to put them into it. One little girl I had, I'm not going to say her real name if I can't, she was going to Okatee Elementary, which is one of the highest performing schools in South Carolina in my area. And they were saying that she needed to be in special ed. Her mother, with whom I grew up, was unfortunately deceased now she died from COVID, refused to believe that and found out I was teaching at another school. Her mother brought her to me. By the time that little girl left me, she was two grade levels above where she needed to be. So they try to treat special education like the government assistance of the public education system, where it keeps us down, but it seems like they're helping us. They're not helping us, and I'm not saying those services don't have their place in some cases, but a lot of times with black students, it's something they want to overuse because they think black kids are already special ed anyway. What they did, hey, there's a law, some policy where we have to respect it. Now I think that's insane. And I know in some states they're passing laws now where if the parent doesn't respect the kid's gender identity, now the parent risks having their child taken from them and face charges. So I think that's insane, but what are we going to do about it? If we're not the policy makers, and we're not, then we're going to have to abide by the policy if our kids go to these schools. So again, I'm of the mindset that we need to police ourselves, we need to rule over ourselves, and we need to educate ourselves. So that's the answer I have for that.
I would, I would actually ditto everything there. I mean, at this point, we have to take control of that kind of narrative, and we've got to make sure that, you know, we, we, we just have to be at the forefront of that conversation for ourselves. Thank you. Uh, as a school counselor, I've been teaching usually. They were writing essays with me, seven-page essays, thesis papers, research papers. I go to follow them next year. They are turning in chicken scrap and getting bees for it. Now, some parents say, well, my kid's passing, he or she is doing well. Okay, but passing what? If they're passing something that a teacher's given them on a second grade level and they're in 11th grade, that's not helping your child. That's called low expectations. And that's the number one issue I have seen happen in school. When I would see students misbehaving, especially my black students, I would get on them about their behavior. And the white person said, you're being too hard on them. You know, they come from poverty. You know, let them express themselves. No, I was expecting things from them. The school system, by large, has no expectations, high expectations for our students. They almost want them to perform down. And when you set perform low standards for students, usually they're going to meet it. So that's the biggest issue we face right there. As far as why parents are not involved, is because it's hard to detect when subtle anti-blackness is happening because it is subtle. Do you have any Absolutely. So a couple of things. Um, Let's talk about the systemic issues that we see specifically in STEM and STEAM education, right? So I am one of 2.4% of black Americans who have a degree in STEM, right? That's 2.4% of all black people in America who have a degree, a college degree, that, but specifically in STEM. So obviously we're already, there's, there's an issue there, right? Because we know, and the data shows us that um, when you have degrees in STEM and you have degrees in STEAM, um, a lot of times that means economic empowerment. A lot of times that means um, additional opportunities. A lot of times that means potential generational wealth, right? And so being able to, and, and having the opportunity, even the opportunity to have adequate access to STEM and STEAM education is something that unfortunately our school districts, and, and our, our, it doesn't really matter the schools, but specifically our students who tend to be overlooked and undervalued, right? A lot of times we just, that, that's just how it is, right? We had to do something, and it's, it's really important for us to, to do something about that. And you talked about the subtle things that happen, right? So I know all of us, I mean, for those of you who may have gone to school with, with students of other races, I definitely remember what we called it microaggressions. Right, different things, or the teacher would talk to us differently, or you know, the students would treat treat us differently. Right, so these little microaggressions do have impacts on students, um, and so it's really important for us to be aware of what's happening in school uh, with these teachers and what they're teaching, how they're treating our kids, how they're treating our students. That's also very, very important. So just wanted to add those two things. Of course, um, and then. Considering coming off of a pandemic, and I hate to keep bringing this topic up, but it posed a lot of problems for different students having to attend school via Zoom or, you know, over a computer or a laptop. Can you speak to what that um, did to kids in education today? Absolutely. So we all know, we all were tired of being on Zoom all day, right? It didn't matter what our jobs were. That's galore. You know, you have rodents that will kill the plants. How do you keep them away? I don't see any uh, decoys or scarecrows. They say, well, we identified the pest. 
that will come to the garden and we came up with some solutions that we can use to naturally deter them. We found plant, we found oil, so they taught them chemistry. They teach your kids marksmanship. Black people teach our kids how to use and fire guns now. Okay? Now, I don't know why some of us are adopting this white liberal mindset that guns are bad. No guns ain't bad. Things get bad or worse for us when we don't have guns and know how to use them. So they teach their kids how to fire guns. I said, what's the, do you have an SRO police officer? I said, where's the security? And he looked at the kids and looked at the staff and said, we need the security. He said, let someone, let someone come up there. And he had a security surveillance system. He taught them how to wire that. That's audio video. So, yes, phone skills are very important. In a lot of public schools, they've taken those things out. They took out home economic classes. And, you know, survival courses, marksmanship courses, those are things that a lot of other schools are wary of introducing because they can be so controversial. When we don't have to deal with the government overhead and we have our own autonomy, we definitely do need to keep the home skills from culinary arts to marksmanship, how to be a responsible home hunter, but how to be a skilled gun user as well. I'm going to try to take black history out of school. Anyone who's been in the school system as a student or as a teacher can tell you black history's never been in school. However, on social media, you will find several uh, black people who are doing these social media lessons about all types of matters of black American history. And I've seen some parents using that to teach their students things they will otherwise not know. And how many of us have ever done home projects we couldn't afford, I know I couldn't afford to pay someone to do it. We go on YouTube and look for a video and find out how to do it. So we need to use technology to our advantage. Now we like to think that kids today are so tech, now, tech, tech, tech savvy, they're not. Okay, I promise you they're not. I used to think that my students were tech savvy. Come to find them, they know how to do on the phone is look at fight videos. That's literally all they were doing, looking at fight videos, and they knew how to go on social media and get into their little social media beats that they didn't want to come to school about and fight. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to um, type, they didn't know how to do basic research, and when it comes to more advanced things like cybersecurity and coding, they didn't have a clue. So just because our kids are on technology a lot, don't let that fool you into thinking they know anything about technology. Meanwhile, these white kids and these Asian kids, they're doing coding. They know how to hack into anything and take over it. Why? Some of our kids at times, some of them, are just looking at fight videos and you know doing social media dances and going viral. So if we're going to use technology, one, we need to have a way to monitor it. There's a system called Go Guardian. I used to love it as a teacher. You can see everything that a child is doing online. Okay, everything. You can lock this screen down. Have ways to monitor it. Number two, we need to make sure it's used in moderation. You need to know how to survive in case that technological device is no longer available. But you also need to know how to use it wisely. And three, make sure they understand the science behind the technology. Because that's a burgeoning field right now, the tech industry, and our students need to definitely be able to compete with other students as well. Your business. So you can literally uh, research uh, different software um, that uh, do the specific job that you're talking about because you have email, you you have CRM software that allows you to be able to automate your emails, um, gather and collect data uh, in a specific database, as well as uh, create AI that responds to customer service, 
uh, you know, inquiries, FAQs, all of that different type of stuff. So you have different ones. I'm not going to name them because they're not paying me to name them. <laughs> uh, but you can Google them and, uh, and then uh, and then you can uh, utilize those as well. So, but it's big for businesses because at a certain point when you're trying to make a certain amount of money, uh, you have to automate your processes because one person can't send out 500 emails to your 500 clients, right? So you have to email that process. And another thing too, as business owners, we have to start looking at the profits that we take in and see, okay, what person can I pay that can take away these tasks that I have to do, right? And then implement and then train that person on the system and then that person can now operate the system for you that can now take your operation from 500 clients to 1,500 clients, right? And then it's just wash, rinse, and repeat. And then that's how you go from a six-figure company to a seven-figure company to an eight-figure company, right? So there was a question over here, and I saw a question in the back, so. A plus. I got you. Is it the hardware or software portion? Because it's two tests, correct? Okay, so do you have a PC at home? Yes. Did you build it? No. Take it apart and build it again. I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> Take it apart and build it again. Like, understand, you know, hopefully dad don't get mad that if you mess it up. But, <laughs> but no, seriously, that, that's literally what I did. Like, I... Only $500 in And you can do a payment plan, too. And you can do a payment plan. So when I told y'all about the $100, that was me. I didn't have the 500 So I had to pay the $100. And you paid a hundred dollars, and then you get on the payment plan for one hundred and fifty dollars every two weeks, and you have access to the course. So nobody has an excuse. So you have no excuse. Thank you, brother. You have no excuse if you can't spend a hundred dollars and bet on yourself to be able to change the, tra the trajectory of your life. Then you're not wanting to change. It. You're not wanting to change. It. So you can go uh, to uh, follow me on Instagram. Click the link in the bio, hit Course Careers, because that helps me out. And then you have uh, more than welcome to reach out to me via Instagram. Um, we can connect on LinkedIn. All of my information is on there. We can connect on LinkedIn. And I help people uh, all over the world who have joined Course Careers, who you know have uh, questions about the final exam, who want you know questions about specific areas, um, uh, you know want guidance in you know job hunting and things like that, putting in your resume because they also help you with um, uh, learning how to put the emails to the recruiters and the talent acquisition, right? Because once you apply for a company, then the good practice is to follow up with an email so that you get, in the, get the attention of the talent acquisition. So they help you with all of that in course careers for only $500, family. Um, so you really have no excuse. And um, to your question, brother, about how your daughter can get in, go, I would highly recommend uh, course careers. Again, very inexpensive. Information is extremely valuable. Uh, I got plenty of notes and things of that nature, and that's going to take you to the next level. Brother King Cam, and that's brother spelled out K-I-N-G-C-A-M. And once you go there, you can click the link in my bio, and you'll see Course Careers Affiliate, and it'll take you to the Course Careers uh, website. And from there, you can look at the testimonials. Brother Ben talked about people putting these courses out and everything that they do and how much money they made, but 
you need to go and look at what the students are doing. Uh -huh. Right, the product of this education, the product of this course, and how it has helped them. That's how you know if the information is real or not. And that's what got me in the course careers. And I think I have one of the highest view interviews on course careers and how it changed my life. So a lot of people reach out to me about it and how it's been able to change my life. So that's what I would recommend for those because I don't want to tell y'all nothing that I didn't go do. So um, if that's it, family, man, we appreciate everybody uh, for coming. They're doing the open lynching, yes, in all forms. We're seeing uh, black lynching people come out left and right, and a lot of the things that we told you, we told you that the military and that the police force were infiltrated. I did a piece on Afternast, the news channel, not too long ago, and I put it on my social media platforms first before I get a broadcast. And it's raining council sometime back in a private meeting that she wasn't expected that she was being filmed in. She said, and it's right in council, think about that. She said, the black American youth are the threat. Did y'all see that, that, that broadcast that I did somewhere? Did y'all hear what I said? Yeah. How many of you all remember the Iran Contra conflict? Yeah. 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 That's what all these two different nations, yes? And then Iran, did you know? Not just by the friends, but they keep the peace. That's right. We must understand our value and hold the line. Let me say this because I do spiritual courses. So I'll give you my job on Vicky.com. I'm just reading that. I'm just rebranding my spiritual school. But let me tell you something. When I was dealing with the hell that I was dealing with, and then I just case and all that led to that. Over years. Someone asked me, well, how did you get through that? Because I was getting it from Wall Street Hollywood officials and uh, not only feds, but other pages. Uh, some of it was properly redacted, and the judge to this day refused to have the government to actually turn over other documents. I still don't have a lot of the documents for which I was convicted in an almost two week trial. But one of the documents they sloppily, a few of the documents I should say, they sloppily redacted shows that some Hollywood folks in Wall Street and the Fed they were pressing them actually to come after me. And I found out that when I was in one of my foreclosure forums that I was participating in, that one of the plants was sitting there, some of that stuff was in some of the documents. And so when I began to think about that reality, and somebody said, well, how did you get through that? When your spiritual religious folks are running from you, say, oh my God, because she wants to touch it. She wants to touch it. Multiple foreclosures, divorce, death in the family, everything was going on. Thank you.
Somebody say Carswell. There are others that are given not to good cause. I have seen people who have been given a perfect hand lose. And people who were given a rough hand, they win. Because it's not the cards you're given in life, it's how you play. Sir. <laughs> And there is such a complete, supreme love I have for our people because I don't know if we realize how great thou art. I don't know if we really realize this because if we really realize this, we would get up out of these chairs after all is said and done and get out here and do something for the children that are going to be born in the there are others that are given not to good cause. I have seen people who have been given a perfect hand lose. And people who were given a rough hand, they win. Because it's not the cards you're given in life, it's how you play. Sir. <laughs> And there is such a complete, supreme love I have for our people because I don't know if we realize how great thou art. I don't know if we really realize this because if we really realize this, we would get up out of these chairs after all is said and done and get up here and do something for the children that are going to be born in the not for this generation, not for the next generation. I want to know where will our children be in the year 2123? How will they call our name? What will they say about us? What will they say we did? And making no difference what station in life you are. Whatever you do, wherever you are, stewardess or steward on an airline, Post office worker, nurse, doctor, it makes you no difference. The question is, what are we going to do now that we know how great we are? What are we going to do? That's the question. When our sister Vicki Dillard was talking about home and family, homes a safe haven. We have to make our homes a safe place for our children. We as teachers have to make the classroom a safe place where children can come and learn. I use the acronym OPEX. Opportunities for learning, environment for growth, and experiences in the individual and social settings. OPEX. Nations and dynasties are not built from baby dads. Thank you, Jerry. We have to talk about it. Everybody wants to get healed, but nobody wants to get the operation of bloodshed. Because the intellectual and mental.
Whereas the old sly fox, as opposed to the brute wolf, Malcolm says, don't forget they both belong to the dog. <laughs> and now we are at the end of this next one. The Omen Empire. This is falling, family. Their economic system is falling, their spiritual system is falling. They're fighting amongst themselves. This is the women syndrome. In another way. Don't get in the way. Mind your business. Okay. That's why I got the topic. They get some popcorn. Watch the show. Come on, family. We've got to do something because even if what I'm telling you is true, the question is. Are we ready to educate ourselves? Do we have an economic system in place? Are brothers and sisters getting along with each other? Are we building families? Because you see, people build nations, but families build dynasties. Nations rise and fall, but dynasties last a time. And what are we doing? What are we doing? We can look out there and blame them. We know what they do. Nobody better at knowing what they're doing than us. The real question now is we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? We need to support the hidden history you see. Yes. I'm talking for the topic. I have some ideas that are educated how we can bring children into that museum and give them an experience that they have never had before. I had to experience in the museum of these dogs. They're going to work. 